Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Recently, we held open auditions to hire a new host for the show, but no one showed up, so... Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a lovely spring, uh, spring, lovely September evening in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, On tonight's show, I'm going to update uh, the proper pipe storage. Yeah, a little update for you on proper ways to store your pipes. Uh, My guest tonight is Silver Gray. Silver has been uh, smoking a pipe and making pipes now for uh, four years, three years, and uh, always wonderful to get uh, get the ladies' perspective on our wonderful little hobby. Uh, music, mailbag, and uh, talking about ladies. Got a uh, lady-related rant that I've been saving for a little bit. And we'll use it for this one. Um, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Which, remember, the Pipes Magazine radio show, new episodes every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, available right on PipesMagazine.com or on iTunes or Stitcher or Podkicker or all those other places where you can get stuff. And we would appreciate a rating or review. That would be absolutely wonderful. Um, So just a a quick update on uh, what's going on around the house here. Yes, we're empty nesters. Last weekend we went to a football game at East Carolina. Uh, So you all have to root for the East Carolina Pirates for football this year. And... uh, yeah, uh, I'm uh, enjoying the heck out of my uh, my new midlife crisis toy. The uh, the new little mini is a lot of fun and um, you know kind of kind of cult like when you get a little mini. Uh, but not having any kids makes it real easy to uh, just hop in the car, the two of us, and go running around. And uh, corners are a lot more fun than they used to be. That's all I'll say about it. Have uh, yet to come up with the perfect pipe holding area for it and figure out exactly how to hold my tamper and uh, lighter and all that stuff so still working on that may have to come up with a mini pipe cup holder kind of thing anyway all right let's get the show rolling everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and thank you to the Sutliff tobacco company here we go there's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. 
Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Hola, this is Pipe Babe Milani, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Talking about uh, ladies' perspective? Yeah, don't forget to check out the Pipe Babes on PipesMagazine.com. All right, so, uh, you know, a while back I told you of my cleaning routine of using a, uh, of dipping a pipe cleaner in, in uh, Everclear or denatured alcohol or uh, grain spirits. And then I'd also use it to rub on the tip of the stem to kind of clean it off. Well, about uh, about a year or two ago, I discovered what I was actually doing on the ebonite and vulcanite stems was taking the wax off the stems by doing that and increasing the oxidation speed of that area. Now, I'm a uh, wet smoker in the first place, but by doing that, it was stripping the wax off that was protecting it and the the result is a lot of my stems are souring or uh, oxidizing before their time um could be the could be the nasty saliva in my mouth from all the stuff that comes out of it but no it's actually what i found out was it was actually the everclear was helping in that process now i don't particularly like the taste of a brand new pipe because of all the wax that is put on the stem to protect it so what I've discovered I have to do is just kind of fight through those first couple of bowls. Uh, you know, when you when I get a pipe back from getting it cleaned, uh, I have to fight through those bowl those first couple of bowls until that wax taste subsides, and then I can move on to it. What I've stopped doing completely is I've stopped using the Everclear on the on the stems on the outside because that was just harming the pipe more and more. And if anything, now what I'll do is a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, wax just on my fingertips on the stems every couple of times just to keep that wax on there. Uh, what also didn't help at all was having my pipes out in open storage or, you know, open sitting on pipe racks for the sun and for the light to get to them. If a pipe stem is not properly uh, properly waxed and protected, the the sun is the absolute worst thing for a vulcanite or an ebonite stem. I mean, it'll oxidize it faster than anything else, even my nasty mouth. Uh, so, in, as I mentioned before, in the process of uh, inheriting some furniture, I've got this 1930s china hutch that once I get the piece of glass replaced that's cracked in it, I'm going to get that glass replaced with UV-protected glass so that I can display my pipes in on the shelves of it and get LED lighting for it because I want to get all the pipes cleaned and all the, just the stems, get all the stems completely cleaned and get the right coating of wax on them and protect them. Now, for those of us that are not as neurotic as I am and don't want to go through all this, uh, first thing you want to do is make sure and store your pipes with the uh, out of the sunlight. Just keep them completely out of any sunlight. If you still want to put them up on a uh, on a pipe rack so that you can look at them, like I like to have them set out where I can see them all and admire them all and think about which one I want to pick out and smoke at the moment, uh, you're gonna you're gonna run into oxidation 
and there's not much you can do to fight it. But the best way to store the pipes is uh, in the dark. Yeah, in the good old dark. Make sure when you are done smoking it, wipe whatever moisture might be on the stem with just a dry cloth to get your saliva off of it. And every once in a while, you may want to just take a little bit of uh, carnauba wax on your fingertip. I mean, just barely enough to feel and rub it back on there and then polish it again with a soft cloth. None of that requires a buffing wheel. None of that is going to fix a problem. It's going to stop a problem from getting worse. Uh, one of the cool ways to, uh, to keep your pipes in the dark and keep them nice and organized is the uh, Brigham Pipe Stackers that we came out with uh, four or five years ago. Um, or, you know what, find a, find a drawer. Just put them in a drawer and put them inside of a pipe bag and close them up and away they go. Uh, the sunlight is the worst thing you can do for it, but of course we all like that picture of us sitting with our pipes on racks behind us or out where we can see them. If you're going to do that, maybe you ought to invest some time into uh, learning how to buff stems because ebonite and vulcanite just are not going to do it in the sun. If you're uh, all Italian pipes and all acrylic stems, no problem there whatsoever. Just make sure that you don't... Uh, that you don't leave the pipe sitting out in the sunlight for too long because the actual color of the bowl will change. So there you go. All right, uh, just an update on how to store pipes and uh, how to keep them from oxidizing for you. In just a minute, Silver Gray will be on the phone. This is Internet Radio. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and it's ladies night and I love getting the ladies perspective on pipe smoking and we've got one that also makes pipes so... Please welcome Silver Gray to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, everyone. All right, so so let's get to know you. Um, first of all, your real name is Silver Gray, correct? Correct. All right. Where did you uh, where Where did you grow up, and is there any history behind your name besides it being really cool? <laughs> well, uh, I grew up. Um a few years in um, California, my father was in the um, Air Force, 
And then shortly after that, California, we moved to Massachusetts. And then we moved to Fairbanks, Alaska for many, many years. Wow. And then uh, out uh, back to the East Coast to upstate Maine, where we spent a few more years. And I finally had enough of the cold and moved to Oregon, where um, my parents originally were from. And I lived in Eugene for a period of time, and then I went traveling uh, throughout the United States and then uh, came back and settled in southern Oregon. Now, I've been here about 30 years. Now, growing up, I mean, what did you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I've always had a head for numbers. Um, I wanted to be a teacher, but that didn't, I don't know, that didn't quite work out. Um, but I did get a degree in accounting, and I've been an accountant all, all my working career. And um, I still have one accounting client that I tend to, but uh, other than that, I've pretty much bowed out of that very solitary life. And when did when did the art or the the arts and crafts or the jewelry when did that start? Oh boy, that in high school I did pottery, and uh, was known for doing very large pieces, and um, carried that throughout my early twenties, and then I started making quilts, and I've done that. My, my whole life uh, since then, um, and basically just uh, I've always had a knack for um, an eye for design and artistry and craftsmanship, that kind of thing. Is that kind of uh, counterintuitive to an accounting mindset where... Yeah, numbers are numbers, and then you can just see all these great designs and make them? Well, it's, yes, it's different sides of the brain from what I understand, but um, accounting never never thrilled me. It was a way to make money, and so I used the other forms to have my creative side get nurtured and blossom and and build from there. Yeah, I mean that's just that that's just two opposite ends of the world and I would imagine it was fun <laughs> I imagine it was fun for you at the end of a day of work to go home and work on something that was actually physical, tangible and you could see a finished result. Yes, it was. It was very gratifying at that point. Yeah. Um but I, you know, couldn't figure out a way at that time to make a living in pottery. Everybody in Oregon, seemed like was doing pottery and um, quilts just take forever, you know, and you can't ever reap what you sow, so to speak. Um, you know, it's just there wasn't a market for handmade quilts that I could turn around quickly enough. So, how do we get to you making pipes? Well, in 2013, uh, I was uh, out with a girlfriend and her husband, and I we were at a pub, and 
there was a, a band playing that we really enjoyed, and we were standing at uh, the bar having a cocktail, and this very tall man in a great hat was dancing with this other woman. Uh-oh. And he turned around and saw me, and I saw him, and he left the girl on the dance floor <laughs> dancing all by herself. <laughs> She's still a good friend to this day. <laughs> but uh, we just locked eyes, and it's been wonderful ever since. And, and uh, Brad invited, invited me to his shop, and... Uh, I was fascinated uh, by all the equipment, and um, I just have this knack. If I see something, I can replicate it, and I have a affinity for machinery. And so I watched him and spent many hours just puttering around and got bored. So I asked if I could use some of his uh, scrap briar to do something with and um, made a little heart and sanded it and Brad still has it and from there I just started developing um, seeing how the wood worked with different applications and how the grinding wheel worked I've had many a bloody knuckle from the grinding wheel Um, but then I hit one night on the, the voluptuous hearts and carved carved out, carved one out. It took me like a week to get it to the shape I wanted. And then Brad showed me the different uh, sanding paper grits and how to gradiate from rough to fine and but then I thought I was ready to make a pipe. So Uh-oh. I said, it can't be that hard. <laughs> so he gave me a scrap block of wood and said, go for it. We still have that, and it's uh, quite hideous. <laughs> so I figured out real quickly that uh, it's not as easy as it looks. He just made it look really easy. And uh, I went back to making the hearts and... Uh, really figuring out how all the equipment worked and the stains and the sanding and all the steps. And that first heart, he must have given it back to me a dozen times saying, nope, not yet, nope, not yet. So um, it it was quite quite a process just to even get started and learn all the different aspects of the parts of the pipe, the function, the aesthetic. I'm still working on the aesthetic, you know, it's a, not easy. So the uh, the Brad we're talking about, if you don't know, is Brad Pullman, who's uh, been on the show before and been making pipes for uh, a few decades now. And uh, here's a tip for you pipe makers, that if you meet some lady in the uh, in a... You know, while you're out, invite say ask her. You know, we want to come back and see my pipe maker's workshop, and apparently it works. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the line. <laughs> so, and and to uh, you know, and, and Brad, 
uh, you know, for Brad's uh, side of it, he was with those those first pieces you were making. He was not. Uh, he didn't handle you with kid gloves either. No, he certainly didn't. He he sent me back over and over again. Not yet. It's not not right. And then when I finally got the nod of, you know, that's nice, then I, I was just elated, absolutely elated, and kept going, just kept going and going. Now, was meeting Brad really your, your first introduction into the pipe and tobacco world? Um, actually not. Um, I had been given a a Meerschaum pipe years ago, and I was an on-again, off-again cigarette smoker, and uh, so I thought, oh, this is cool. It was some kind of Gandalf-looking guy, and when the pipe got warm, his eyes kind of turned red, and I was really, really enthralled with it. Well, then I ran out of tobacco and never replaced it and I, I have no idea where the pipe is now hopefully someone's still enjoying it but uh that was my very first introduction into pipe smoking and but my grandfather as everyone says oh my grandfather used to smoke a pipe yeah. he smoked a, a pipe and he smoked uh, prince albert his name was albert so he had to smoke prince albert and, oh, I used to just sit at his feet and smell the smoke and he used to shoo all us kids out. You can't be smelling this. Get out. But I would sneak back in because I just love the smell of it. Wow. Now, the first time I met you was when uh, when we saw a... Uh, Brad's normally got a pretty good poker face on, but then he showed up at a pipe show, and I think it might have been a West Coast pipe show and he had a big smile on his face and you on his arm. Uh, that would have been November of 2013 at the Vegas Pipe Show, yes. Yeah, so what did you think of the Pipe Show? I mean, did he warn you about what it's like and did it live up to expectations? Yeah, he warned me with a huge grin on his face <laughs> and it exceeded all my expectations. It was an absolute blast, and at that moment, I was completely hooked. And then all the stories of Chicago would come up, and those have been uh, realized and exceeded as well. It's it's absolutely a blast. <laughs> Is uh, are you getting any uh, any strange looks from people as you sit and smoke a pipe? I get people pointing at me, <laughs> like if I'm driving, people will out, you know, at a stoplight, they're like pointing at me. Um, a woman pipe smoker is uh, kind of a rarity anywhere, but uh, pipe smoking in general um, in our area is uh, pretty much a, a oddity. Not, I've, there's just a handful of people in, in our area that smoke a pipe. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, more pipes, uh, more pipe making with silver. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Silver Gray. And uh, so, Silver, when you the the next time you took a real shot at making a pipe, I mean, did did Brad just take you down to the basics and say, "All right, do this first? Um, not so much. Um, he did give me some instruction, but what I actually discovered was a great big box of summels in various shapes of error, and uh, I picked through and found, a, you know, a couple that were salvageable and just started a little bit of reshaping on it. He showed me, you know, again on the grinding wheel and the angles. and But then I just kind of revamped a couple of pipes that he was never going to finish. And so that way I, number one, felt successful. And number two, had a functional pipe. And uh, so then I kind of got the feel of how everything went together um, without, you know, touching his. And... It was enlightening, very enlightening to have um, something that was already drilled, maybe partially shaped, and so that way I could turn it into a functional pipe. And it was it was very thrilling. It was beyond imagination that I could make a pipe that was actually functional and, and looked halfway decent. And probably and smoked then, really good. It did. Brad's drilling is outrageous. Um, and so that way I got to go from, you know, a semi-finished stummel, how to finish the, the ebonite stems, how it all fit together, how it all flowed, and then the various sanding techniques and staining techniques on how to get a finished pipe that looked good and was functional. What 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 was the hardest part of pipe making at the beginning for you to get a grasp of? Um, using the lathe. <laughs> using the lathe was quite scary for me at, at times. Um, the bowl drilling. Uh, there's an art to it. Now, does... Um, 
does uh, do you drill first and then shape, or are you shaping first now? Um, right now, I do a little bit of pre-drilling, uh, meaning that I put in the um, mortise and the uh, beginning of the bowl hole, just so I can get an idea of, because I know what I want. You know, I've got the design all laid out, drawn on the pipe, band sawed, and then while it's still in block form, I, I do the uh, mortise and the, and the beginning of the bowl hole, and then I go shape. And then after I have the rough shape in, then I um, drill the bowl, drill the bowl, air hole, and then the bowl. And then I finish shaping around that. Does that allow you the uh, the flexibility that if something, if you want to change something with it, you can kind of move the bowl around a little bit? Yeah, that and the air hole, especially. Um, you know, if I get too wild on the shaping wheel and get a little too aggressive on the transition on the back of the bowl. I have some wiggle room, you know, that I'm not going to just bust through so I can adjust the air hole, you know, slightly. Um, that hasn't happened too too often anymore, but it was, you know, kind of an issue at the beginning. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's an issue for, uh, for every pipe maker is uh, <laughs> making sure not to go too thin or too far off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially the bottom of the bowl, too. You know, if I take too much off, then I can adjust the height of the bowl and then adjust the air hole before, you know, before it's even drilled. I, I, I know where I'm at. Now, on the on the bottom of the bowl where the, where the air hole comes in to the tobacco chamber, I mean, you're dealing with a really tight tolerance there and you... Got to get it matched up perfectly without going through the bottom of the pipe. Correct. Correct. It's uh, trial and error, for, you know, but um, I, I've got it pretty well down now. It's it's uh, it's all measuring. I just got a new pair of calipers this week, um, but it's all measuring. You, know, you just got to keep your your measurements exact and I marked the uh, bowl drill and I marked the you know I use the calipers to see how long my air hole is supposed to be so it's all all measuring is there a part of the entire pipe making process that you absolutely look forward to and you love doing every time shaping I love shaping I can, I amaze Brad sometimes. Um, I did a Cavalier uh, for the uh, Kansas City Pipe Club contest. And I had the design. I had it all, you know, days and days and days of drawing it out, making sure everything was going to flow. <clears throat> and I take it to the shaping wheel, and I come back in a half an hour, and I have everything all shaped out, and Brad's jaw hit the floor. <laughs> Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
And at Brad's height, that's quite a distance for the jaw to fall. <laughs> that's a true statement. Um, I want to, you know, I've seen, I've seen your pipes over the past couple of years. There was one in particular in Chicago this year that just had me drooling because I had to look at it for the entire pipe show because we were right across from each other. Uh, mm-hmm. But your pipes in particular don't look like they were made by a lady. They look like they are pipes that are made by a pipe maker. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I've got such a great mentor right here in the shop. You know, it's such a blessing. I have such an advantage. If, you know, I'm looking at something and I'm like, I I cannot see what's wrong with this pipe. You know, I'm looking down the, the stubble, down the stand, and something's just off. And, and Brad will point out, well, look on the other side. That's drawing your eye off or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so just over the years of him pointing out where I should be looking, how I should be looking, it, it's uh, it's such a gift. Just a leg up in the in the pipe making world, having a master at your elbow. Yeah, and now be honest, is there times when he comes to you and he's working on a pipe and he says, Well, what do you think? and you have to fix him? Be honest, yes. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> now, um, not at first. Yeah. Not at first, obviously, but now, now that I've got a couple years under my belt, and um, I love to sand. I can sand all day long. Um, next to next to grinding, I, I like sanding a, a whole bunch, except for the stems. <laughs> How how many different grits of sandpaper will you use, and then how long will it take you to sand a, a bowl? Um, we go from one hundred up to two thousand. Wow! Baby steps, and uh, it doesn't take me very long. I I I don't have any fingerprints on or well on my right hand. On my fingertips, there are no fingerprints. Um, I make a really good safe breaker, I think. <laughs> yeah, and you'll but never. It doesn't take me long. I can... go ahead. You'll never find any fingerprints in your uh, in your finish either. Uh no, <laughs> that's a bonus. Yeah. But uh, it's it, it doesn't take me long at all. I I have a you know, the overhead light, and then I have a special LED light and then a loop, um, a great big uh, bright loop. And uh, I don't use it at first, but then when I get down into the finer grits, I use the loop and just get every single little scratch out. Yeah, that that's the the patience for detail that I completely lack. <laughs> it's thrilling for me. It just is, brings me such satisfaction, you know. Oh, there's a scratch, you know, and get them all out. <laughs> I mean, and and two thousand grit sandpaper is essentially like a uh, a printer paper that we use in an inkjet. <laughs> it's 
Yeah, it's pretty fine. I use that just on the um, on the stem. Yeah, uh, it's extremely expensive. <laughs> is there a shape or a style of pipe that you prefer to make? Yes, actually, I just uh, developed uh, a new shape that uh, I'm calling the Eskimo series. And uh, it's a, an egg or a billiard on a um, diamond shank. And I spread the shank out on the um, transition to the bowl where it's almost, well, it is the full width of the bottom of the bowl and then taper it up. And then I use a six-panel um, stem. I, I carve out a six-panel stem and match it up, uh, you know, uh, bottom to top, top to bottom. So if you spin any of my stems around, they're going to match perfectly. Um, good thing they're bent so you know which side goes up. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it's a really satisfying shape for me. And uh, I, Brad and I recently did a trade. He liked that shape so much, and he barely put the pipe down since we did the trade. And then he made me um, kind of a squash tomato, but not really, really tiny pipe, like four and a half inches. So we both got the pipe that we wanted. Um, but this this new shape is absolutely incredible. Brad said, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> now, I believe as... As I did my research earlier today, there is a Silver Gray Pipes Eskimo Billiard for sale right now on TobaccoPipes.com, which is your uh, only official retailer? That's correct, yes. Um, they did have an egg and a billiard. Um, and then um, I took that, those were my initial two, and I took that shape and I reduced it. 25%. So it's a, li a little bit smaller now, kind of in the refining process. Um, but I, I want to make both sizes for guys with big hands or smaller hands, you know, depending on what they prefer, you know, because there's all shapes and sizes of folk. So I don't want to just get stuck in, in one size. But uh, I'll be making more of those. They're really, like I said, gratifying to make, wonderful to smoke. Brad said they um, smoke creamy. Huh. The smoke is kind of creamy. I don't know whether it's the combination of the wider shank stem combination or the bend or just what makes it creamy. But uh, it's a very, very cool pipe. Where else can we go to? Uh, where else can we go to see your pipes? Um, I'm on Facebook, Silver Gray. Um, I post in various uh, groups on Facebook: uh, the Gentleman's Pipe Smoking Society, Freehand Pipes, the Daily Piper, on and on. Um, and then I have a Instagram. And then, of course, you mentioned TobaccoPipes.com. 
and they my they just launched my pipes uh, last week, so I'm super stoked about that. And of course, we can see you at the uh, West Coast Pipe Show or the uh, or the Chicago Pipe Show. Correct. We'd like to go to more shows, but um, being in a remote light area, it's cost prohibitive to uh, try to fly out to some other shows. It takes you a half a day just to get to electricity where you live. <laughs> just about. <Yeah. laughs> All right, now you've also you also hit on a sweet spot for me because there's a, a certain urban legend about a guy named Walt Disney who had a little mouse that worked on his that hung out in his original <laughs> Kansas City uh uh Kansas City uh film company and uh, the urban legend says that that's the impetus for Mickey Mouse, but you've got Harry who uh lives in the workshop he lives on my bench. He's actually my second mouse. I had uh, Haley, but uh, as with the lifespan of a mouse, it was too too brief of an experience. And so now we have Harry, and Harry has the run of my bench. Uh, he's only been off the bench one time, and that's when his little heat lamp uh, light went out, and he went to seek warmth elsewhere, and I kicked on the heater when I came in, and... He came running out. But uh, Harry inspects uh, all my pipes. He gets up on his little back legs and sniffs out uh, all my pipes. And when I'm sanding, he comes up and crawls on my hands. And um, he's in his condo right now. He has uh, I have a little cubby pigeonhole kind of set up. And he has one of the little pigeonholes. And then... Um, his favorite place in the winter is uh, a big cotton glove in a marble uh, pipe stand, and he curls up in, in his glove. Um, he's just a joy. He's, I have to vacuum my bench frequently to clean up after him. He's been impossible to potty train, but uh, he's really a joy. Uh, any any chance of uh, Harry coming to Vegas for the pipe show? Yeah, probably not. Oh. He, he, yeah, no. He he prefers his little safe spot, you know. He's got the run of the bench. It's a what a six foot bench, and he climbs all over my pipe stand. He climbs. I have my bulk tobacco in uh, canning jars stacked up in a corner, and I have my. Um, metal files next to him and he climbs up the files and climbs all over my tobacco <laughs> jars well well tell tell <laughs> harry tell harry he's now got a, a cult following that uh, that wants to someday meet him <laughs> i'll have to post more pictures of him because he's just adorable <laughs> Silver, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Well, my new favorite pipe, um, I've kind of got three or four, but my newest favorite is the one Brad and I just traded. Um, that's my absolute favorite. And then my second favorite, he made me a little diamond shank i guess canadian um with a cumberland stem i think it weighs like three quarters of an ounce just love this pipe 
and then um, I, I have a little Savinelli that I love. Um, Brad has a pipe that uh, he made back at the Briar Workshop back in the 70s, and that's my go-to pipe when I'm working. It's got a nice large bowl and a full bent stem, and that thing smokes like a chimney and does not even get warm, barely. Wow. Um, and then I've got down from there, you know, uh, my own pipes. Uh, I've got a purple Dublinish that I like, uh, Costello 55. And then I've got my very first pipe that was actually functional. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's that's about it. What is your favorite tobacco? Well, I've got several of those as well. Um, the Ashton Smooth Sailing is fabulous. Uh, the Salami Mango Flake. Um, Peterson's Holiday Season is like crack to me. <laughs> and uh, down from there, uh, my Hobbit's Weed. Love that stuff. Um, the Savinelli uh, Bloomed Oro is a wonderful smoke. Um, I like all the lane tobaccos. I'm a aromatic freak. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Um, I like rum. I'm kind of a little rum person. Uh, I can drink one one drink is my limit. Otherwise, I get real sick. I have a low tolerance, so <laughs> I enjoy a rum drink now and again. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, listen to music all day in the shop. Um, when the, the Rolling Stones Give Me Shelter comes on, I make Brad take a mandatory dance break. <laughs> um, so, so music is quite soothing. Um, right now I'm on a Dolly Parton kick. But uh, Steely Dan is often playing in the background somewhere. Um, and then in the evening, um, we don't have regular television, so we'll often watch a movie in the evening. And the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? Um, actually, yes. Um, last year in Chicago... I've had the most gratifying, elating, soul-satisfying experience. Um, I don't know if uh, many of you know Coffee David. Yeah. Coffee David has uh, a room in, in the, at, at the Quail Run, and always a great time. Well, this year at the show, I had uh, four... Bulldogs that I had made, and uh, Sip Kushner had bought a smooth and a blast. Les Young had uh, bought a small partial blast, and then uh, Linnea Wolf had uh, a commission one that I had done for her, and all four of those pipes were in the room, and everybody pulled them out. And they were, every, they were being passed around, and there were some high-end collectors and some 
renowned pipe makers in there, and they were all giving me the nod of approval of how wonderful these pipes were. And I've never felt more like a rock star than that actual moment in my life. And it was very humbling. I was in tears. I was so moved by that experience. And the coffee is always really good, too. Oh, the coffee is righteous. He's just such a sweet man. David is just a doll. Silver, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Well, thank you for having me, and thanks to everyone for listening and um, to get an opportunity to go by TobaccoPipes.com and check out what I have available there, or if there's a shape uh, that anyone's interested in having made, then we can discuss uh, execution of that. Say hi to Harry, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, don't forget to check out all of Silver's Pipes. And don't forget the West Coast Pipe Show is uh, coming up in uh, two short months. Yeah, the first weekend in November, Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Palace Station Hotel and Casino. I will be there, and uh, I'll be running across the street to In-N-Out Burger probably uh, two or three times while I'm there. Uh, Lots of fun to be had by all. Make sure if you can, get yourself out there. Can't miss out on this pipe show. All right, for music, uh, Ray LaMontagne, songwriter, singer, pipe smoker, has a new album out, and I believe it's called Arroboros. It's, uh, at least that's how you pronounce it, maybe. Uh, anyway, it's spelled O-U-R-O-B-O-R-O-S. Kind of a departure for him. Uh, kind of funky and weird a little bit. Kind of like a, it's like an older concept album. Anyway, the track we're going to play is called Part 2, Wouldn't It Make a Lovely Photograph? Here's Ray LaMontagne.
about you but i got kind of a throwback 1960s early 70s vibe out of that but it's ray la montaigne with a new album out going back to uh last week's show with walter on uh, lots of nice comments from people all over uh twitter and facebook and everything on the uh, pipes magazine radio show page uh pipe smoke and biker writes good show brian it's always relaxing to listen to this show while smoking a pipe after a long work day Tonight I'm smoking my brand new Briarworks Classic that I picked up at the Columbus Pipe Show. It was my first ever show and I had a great time. I can't wait till the Chicago show next year. Mm-hmm. There you go. Perfect endorsement for uh, pipe shows. Uh, and Dino says, I can't agree with you. I can't agree more with your urging to support NASPC in their publication, The Pipe Collector. The magazine has become a true scion of the venerable pipe smokers ephemeris. The internet is great, but just as it's important to our hobby to support brick-and-mortar pipe shops, it's similarly, similar, similarly important to support the two main hard-copy publications, the incredibly beautiful Pipes and Tobaccos magazine and the wonderfully informative and vital The Pipe Collector. Uh, a very nice conversation with Mr. Gorski. His insights and history are fascinating, nostalgic, and entertaining. Uh, Dino says, Locomotive Breath is my favorite Jethro Tull song. I saw Ian Anderson and his group perform this song live last year. And for a guy who's just a year younger than me, uh, he, at 70, he still kicks ass and toots a mean flute. <laughs> kicks ass and toots a mean flute. That's something I never thought I'd read. Uh, anyway, Dino goes on to say, perhaps Jungle Jack Hanna and the rest of the Columbus Zoo administrative personnel should be relocated to a new habitat within the zoo. I suggest the lion's den. Thanks, Dino. 
Uh, and uh, just on a note, I have not heard anything from the uh, fine folks at the Columbus Zoo regarding my email to them. Oh, well. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, post them on the forums at pipesmagazine.com on the radio show page. Or you can email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And I will uh, comment to one thing that was posted on the forums uh, about uh, the uh, lack of uh, knowledge of what tobaccos will survive the uh, FDA here in the U.S. Well, that's simply because, you know, we really don't know which tobaccos will get passed through on the uh, equivalency test and how much all the testing will be required and all that stuff, so... Tobaccos that are on the market now are on the market now. I know for us at Sutliff and McBaron, nothing will change for about 18 months until we've filed all the applications and really see how this process all completely goes. Hard to say what's going to make it or not because we don't know what the process really is and I'm pretty sure the FDA is not really sure what they've gotten themselves into quite yet. Anyway, there you go. Hey, uh, rant time coming up next. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. sensitive or you are a uh, lady you may not want to listen for the next minute or two because I am a watcher of people I love watching people whether it's at the Columbus Zoo where I'm watching people or at the local mall where I'm watching people or in an airport I'm watching people and I love watching people the fun part of it is, is I like watching I really like watching other women check out other women Women will give another woman an up and down and up and down with their eyes and check them out and size them up. They will scan them from top to bottom faster than anybody else. And then us men, we get caught looking at one body part of the woman just at a glance and we're considered to be perverts or freaks or whatever. You know, yeah, a good looking woman walks by you and she might have a body part that's a 
really nice looking to you, you get caught staring at that for more than a half a second, well, you're in big trouble, mister, but if you're a woman and you're checking out another woman, you can do an eight-second scan and then do a portrait painting from memory of that woman exactly what she was wearing, how she was wearing it, how she did her hair and her makeup, and you can tell every little curve on her body. But us guys, woman's got a nice, uh, you know, couple of parts on the front. We get caught staring at them for a half a second. Oh, we're in big trouble, mister, from our women and from that woman, too. But other women staring at each other up one side and down the other, no big deal. It happens all the time. I guarantee you, go to the mall this weekend or whatever and just sit there and watch women check out other women. And if you get caught doing it, you're in big trouble. You're dead meat. You're going off to jail. So... It's unfair. It's a double standard. I don't like it. I think we ought to be able to check out everybody equally. And besides that, I like watching people. And uh, no more comfortable places to sit in the mall and watch people. But that's a whole other story. All right. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Again, send uh, comments, post your uh, ratings and reviews, all that fun stuff. Uh, thank you to Silver Gray for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Steady as a rock. Yeah, but I shoot with this hand.